August 23, 2019, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference, the third annual conference focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. Join over 500 of the most influential sales development leaders in our industry for a full day of learning, networking, and growing your skills. This year, we're offering three learning tracks focused on sales development leadership, rep training, and our newest track dedicated to sales and marketing operations. Grab your tickets today before it sells out over at 10bound.com conference. That's 10bound.com conference. See you August 23rd. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm your host, David Delaney. I am here with a mentor, a legend, a legend in our industry. I cannot believe that I finally wrangled this guy in for an interview, Mr. Jake Dunlap with Scaled. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you, David? That's quite the that's quite the intro. I love it. <laughs> oh man. Okay. For the like two or three people that don't know you, Jake is is the man. He is the CEO of Scaled. He's a mentor to me. He's the guy that gave me my shot in the tech industry, which I am eternally grateful for every day. And since we work together, you have gone on to start this amazing company working with some of the hottest companies in technology around sales. Jake, if people don't know you, give us a background. Tell us about who Jake is. Yeah, that's right, man. We go back <laughs> 2000, is it 2010? 2011? 11. David, it's funny. I really remember your interview. It was great. <laughs> and you yeah. obviously do great things too, man. I'm really, I'm really pumped that, you know, everything you guys have been working on and really into the mission of, you know, 10 bound and, and what you're up to too. So, so look, you know, my background, you know, I'm, I'm from the Midwest, you know, I born in Iowa, grew up in Kansas city, go chiefs and, you know, went to school in Missouri and, you know, really cut my teeth in sales in college. I think, you know, I was actually really fortunate that I kind of gravitated that way. I did telemarketing. And so I had two or three different telemarketing jobs and then got an opportunity to go into sales straight out of college into, you know, look, I wanted to go into professional sports, like who doesn't want to work for sports teams? And I was very lucky because of my sales experience. I got a chance to work immediately in Major League Baseball for the Rays, then move over to the NHL and hockey and then realized that I love sports and I love sales, but maybe not the two together. And then had a really a great opportunity when CareerBuilder was really in its heyday in the late 2000s to help to be one of the first people in the Phoenix office and really got an opportunity to grow as a, a professional and as a salesperson there. 
you know, career builder really helped me to understand the process and science behind sales. I had a lot of raw ability, but didn't really understand that, that it was a, a process. And so, you know, it, it gave me those, those chops that then allowed me to kind of make the move over to Glassdoor. And it was the vice president of sales at Glassdoor and built out the sales organization there and did that for another SaaS company in New York and really just saw kind of this epidemic in startup world, which is, you know, VP of sales and VP of marketing from a growth standpoint, the, the jobs change so rapidly as you're going through different phases of growth. And so you really need both tactical and strategic support and really saw an opening to create a firm that could come in and work with marketing and sales leaders to help them through those pivot stages, whether it's, you know, your zero to 20 salespeople, your 20 to 100, or, you know, now, you know, fast forward to today, you know, we're working with some of the biggest companies in the world, helping them to modernize some of their various components of their sales organization, whether it's go to market sales process or, you know, current account growth. So it's been quite a journey. You know, it's been almost five and a half years. This definitely did not, you know, there's no such thing as overnight, you know, to, to build a company. And, you know, we have almost 25 people now in two offices. We opened up an office in Austin. I'm in Austin right now, earlier this summer. And, you know, continuing to work and serve really these kind of growth stage technology companies as, you know, our main client base. So this is amazing, man. I mean, there's so much need out there for transformation. And that's, that's interesting because that's what I, I thought you were doing. But I, I wanted you to tell us about it because, you know, there's so much of the old school mentality out there still, and even in the tech industry. So you're transforming companies from, you know, where they were to what they should be doing now going into 2019, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is, you know, like we're expert arms and legs, meaning there's a lot of smart, capable people out there where, you know, you can get there in 12 months on your own or because we've worked with, you know, over 400 companies, you know, we can help you to get there maybe in three months. And I think a lot of this is, you know, to David, our world is just changing so rapidly. You know, if you look at sales technology, sales technology outside of Salesforce wasn't even really a thing until, you know, what, 2014? And so as a VP of sales and even as a VP of marketing, it's just difficult to keep up. And so, you know, in all of our work, we're really focused on how do you bring technology to solve problems, not just the classic VC way of scaling, which is like, what is the hiring forecast and how do we throw as many bodies at it as possible? And I think as companies are looking to scale more effectively, sales tech is really at the core of that. And I think we've really tried to position ourselves as being one of the leaders in really understanding, you know, what sales technologies are right for which companies and, and that can move the needle for those organizations. This is really interesting because we looked at the, the, the sales tech maps that were out there, like the MarTech maps, like the MarTech 5000, which is like yeah. insanely confusing. And then the one for salespeople. And then we put one together for sales development specifically. And still, it's like you look at that and it's just total confusion. It's like, what, what is this? what is this landscape and how does it help me? And so it sounds like you guys can help cut through that and be like, okay, look at your process. This is what you actually want to plug in to help. Yeah. I mean, I can, I think I can say it on record. I think we've done more sales technology specific implementations or overhauls than any company period, you know, outside of Salesforce. So I think I recognize really early on, you know, 2015, that sales engagement was going to be a huge space that we're going to have a lot of players emerge around that, that ecosystem. And so I really feel like, you know, as a sales leader, I know it's tough and I know it's challenging, but there, there is no choice. 
you know, your other, your other choices to just say, you know what, grit and hard work is just going to be what gets us there. And as opposed to, you know, how do we leverage these tools and cut through the noise? So it's, it's literally, David, it's one of my favorite things to talk about, which is just the impact that technology can have when wielded, you know, correctly. And I really don't think that most of these technologies anymore are optional, <laughs> you know, like it's like you have to figure it out. Like you can't just say like, no, we're not going to invest in sales engagement. We can't find the ROI. Like that's on you, you know? Right. So I, I feel like there's a lot of these tools that are just going to become staples the same way that marketing, marketing went through the same evolution in the late 2000s, early 2010s. And that's all we're seeing. It's the same. It's literally just history repeating itself with sales. That is so interesting because you, you can talk to so many people because on one end you have like... And no offense to anybody, but the dog food producer in like, you know, Middletown, Ohio, right, who is still on spreadsheets and, you know, telemarketing type of mentality, all the way to the tech company, which has bought every freaking thing to plug in in the world. And then their sales ops person left and nobody knows what the password is. Like, like the, you could talk to anybody on either end of those continuums to help them because the real Luddite really needs help to like figure out what's important. And the overwhelmed, you know, tech person who bought everything also needs to figure out how to align it, right? Yeah, 100%, man. That's amazing. That is amazing. Okay, so definitely have watched you from afar, you know, over the last five years to build this and also build, you know, your reputation, Jake, as a thought leader. I know that's kind of a like loaded word. <laughs> People like get hooked on that. But really, I mean, someone who I can learn from every day in a digital format, you know, and learn really valuable tips and techniques and strategies just by looking at your LinkedIn or your Twitter and stuff like that. So could you tell us about, you know, your journey from someone who's heads down, like building a business, like working your ass off to someone who's sharing their knowledge with the overall audience? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you just a little, I mean, I'll give like a, a brief history lesson and, and again, and just okay. stupidity on my part and other things too. But <laughs> You know, like it's not it's not all like, oh, wow, like we've figured out again, like we're in year, you know, almost in year six now. So, you know, I think what happens and look, this is this is just me. It's like until the reason I didn't really talk about and I pushed everything to scale. I mean, if you go and look at engagement and, and what I was doing in social, I don't know if it was ego or it was insecurity or what it was, but it's like as a, a small business owner, you know, you want to push it to the company and I want scale to get all the collateral or all the, the collateral, the, the success. And yeah, you know, I, it's why I didn't call it Dunlap consulting, right? I called it scaled because I, I wanted to build a company and I wanted to build a business, not just my own name and brand. But, but I think what really what happened was in about May of this year, and again, we're talking five years in, right? And I, I think that's the part that nobody realizes. I think in my mind before it was, and I think this is what a lot of sales leaders struggle with this too. It's you think if you just do the work, people are going to recognize it. And I think like, look, people did. And I think scale, you know, I think we had a good reputation, but it really candidly wasn't until April, May of this year that we just started to look at the data. And I think that this is my, my, my kind of warning signal for all B2B marketers and B2B sales leaders is we just looked at the data of ebook engagement, blog engagement. And candidly, David, what we saw is like nobody cares. There's over 2.1 million blog posts produced every day. And to think that you're going to have some type of 
And I'm not saying that that type of mid-form content and long-form content isn't impossible. But what the market is saying more and more is we want bite size, right? We want our tweets, our Instagram posts, our LinkedIn shares. You know, sure, on a Sunday, I want to cuddle up next to a 15-page ebook, maybe. But we just looked at, I mean, candidly, a lot, a lot of this was just data. And, you know, we did this in really May was like the frustration point where finally I, th- I think I just had enough. You know, we did this amazing ebook like a lot of people on GDPR. And I thought we had a lot of really amazing tactical insights in there for, for marketers and, and sales leaders. And like the engagement was terrible. I'm like, what the, like this wow. is, like, if this is, if this is the best and like, I know the content's killer. Cause I think we, we always say that, right? It's like the content's so great, but if nobody sees it, then who cares? And so then we just started to say, look, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and start to talk about Jake Dunlap one and scaled our different things. And I don't, for whatever reason, for five years, I don't think my wife can probably attest to it that they were independent, (laughs) but my, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, people are actually engaging with this. I mean, I used to treat social media like a throwaway. I had a a part-time social media person who would post for me basically, you know what I mean? Who would, you know, and I would, you know, we would work on some stuff, but you know, no engagement. As soon as I started just being myself and just posting about things that I knew, right? I don't talk about, I don't know, like biotech or something. I don't know anything about biotech, but I know about these certain like small little world of sales and like this bleed between sales and marketing you know, engagement took off. And then I think, look, like a lot of people, Gary V and, you know, I don't, it, I don't really care what people think about Gary V or not. What I can, what I, what I think is important is, you know, if you just take what's happening in B2C, it's coming to B2B. If you look at transparency, for example, like G2 crowd is coming. If you're a software company and you're not investing, like you're just, you're putting your, your head in the sand. Like you're just saying like, oh yeah, there's some review sites out there. It's like the restaurant owner in you know 2007 when Yelp came out, you know, like it's yeah. going to happen. Everything, every trend in B2C comes to B2B. It just takes time. So transparency is a big one and technology is the other one. And so for me, we've just been investing heavily in marketing and, and, and everyone asked me, Jake, what's the ROI? And, you know, it can be more difficult for our marketing brains or our sales brains to understand that there may not be a direct ROI to the LinkedIn post, but I can tell you there is definitely an ROI. And if you can grab people's attention and if you can communicate with those people and add value over time, there's going to be a longer business value add ROI. And, And I think if you look at my post, man, I'm not asking you for anything. Right. I don't I can't even tell you the last post I had where I asked for I asked for sign up for my new our newsletter, anything, because what we're seeing is that the more you give, the more comes back. And whether it's cosmic, you know, chakra or energy or whatever it is, I think we're we're just seeing it in play out in real time. Whoa. Okay, so let me unpack this a little bit. So the first one, if you look back five years would you have done it differently? Would you have just called it Jake Dunlap Consulting and like go straight out with your value and your brand and your personality and built it up like that? Or do you feel like scaled, you know, as starting it to scale, it was the way to go? I don't know. I don't know. You know, honestly, I don't know if it's as much as what the name was as opposed to how I acted, meaning whether it was Dunlap Consulting or scaled, I think what I would have done differently is I would have made the two separate. Jake is about helping people find their how scaled works with companies on that stuff. And obviously there's a lot of bleed between that, but I don't know if I understood that well enough then. 
and maybe maybe or I think early on you as a, an entrepreneur too and you, you know you look you see a lot of CEOs who are, are nervous about posting right on social yeah. right and, and even when they do post it's only company propaganda they're scared they're terrified to have an opinion because it's easier to hide behind the shield of your company it just is yeah you know and I think that 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 was a lot of it is and also it's like building up enough cred where I'm like okay I think I've got enough cred, like there's enough cred now where I feel even more confident kind of talking more openly about some of this stuff. Not that I already didn't feel like I had the cred, but I think after five years departed from starting the company, I think I felt like there's like a more of a track record there of like doing it with a lot of companies. So, so, and that's, that's one thing you hear from people. It's like, you know, is there like an inflection point where you feel like you have the credibility to be able to start talking to people directly on social because you know in the SDR world that like it comes up should I be building a brand you know I'm like 25 and I just graduated yep. from college and I don't know what to say and you know it sounds like you had an inflection point where you're like I'm ready like I I yeah but it was too late, right? Like in retrospect, like I, sh- I could have started three years ago. It wouldn't have been any different. So, yeah. so, and, and I'll just kind of, I just want to pull on that thread for a second. I 100% think every single SDR should be building their brand, but it's a different brand than what I think most of them think they should be building. And what I, what I mean by that is I think a lot of SDRs look at Morgan Ingram and Morgan is the man. I love Morgan. Morgan sold a product into marketers and sales. So for Mark, for so for Morgan to talk about being an SDR in and and things that those buyers care about, that was important. If you're an SDR at a sales tech company, then you can talk about sales. But guess what? If you're an SDR and you sell into IoT, you better look like an IoT expert. If you sell into payments, you better sound like a payments expert and you need to build your brand as an expert in payments and in connected devices and in industrial equipment, not I'm the cutest, best SDR strategist. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I think, I think that's where I think a lot of salespeople give a shit. They care more about their peers than their buyers or prospects. And that's where they're getting it twisted. Like if I didn't sell into, if my buyer wasn't CEOs who cared about revenue problems or VPs of sales or VPs of marketing, I would never talk about revenue ever. If I sold a finance, I would only talk about finance. And I think, and your brand can, can be malleable. You can port that across. So I feel like people don't understand the import, what it means to think about building a brand in a space that you serve, not Unless, I mean, like, look, but if you're passionate about it, sure. Just don't expect it to be results about building a real community that are going to like lead to more meetings or more revenue for you. So I think I just want to make that point really clear that if you're in sales or marketing tech, like it totally makes sense for you to talk about those things. But if you sell into IOT, I don't care that David Delaney made President's Club. I'm a VP of operations at Honeywell. Right. And I come, you, you hit me up on LinkedIn. I come to your profile. John Smith, President's Club winner, 125% to quota of Q3 2017. Like, what? Okay. Dude, you're, you're trying to get a meeting with me. Like, your profile should reflect who you, like, who you are in that space. Right. Not, it's not your resume. Stop, LinkedIn has stopped being your resume like nine months ago. Okay. Okay. So for the SDR, like I'm selling, you know, switches and routers to IT professionals and, you know, I want to get on their radar screen. So what you're saying is go find out as much as you can about switches and routers and those problems that's keeping them up at night and then, you know, post and 
do research and repost things on your LinkedIn page that have to do with solving those problems. So it looks like you're in their world. Exactly. Gotcha. Because if you don't care, man, like, look, you're never going to be a successful SDR if you don't care about the world that you serve. And if your profile, if your bio, my bio, look again, if I'm an SDR, I'm 25, 26, 27, 28, whatever. And again, I'll just pick on, I'll just use IOT because it's a little bit more complex world. You know, my bio is going to read how, you know, look, I help operations leaders partner with, you know, leaders of connected devices, you know, at XYZ. Meaning like, I'm going to tee my salespeople up, you know, for success as well too. Like, I, I think, if I'm an SDR, I'm going to talk about how I know this space. Like I know what's happening in, in routers and switches about this one thing. I know about Raspberry Pis and IoT, and that's what my experience talks about. I'm a connector. That's really all an SDR is, is a connector. I connect prospects with salespeople, right? Yeah. And I think it's that mindset that a lot of SDRs are lacking you know, in terms of like implementing which is viewing themselves as appointment setters versus industry experts. And, and you're, if you're the tip of the spear, you better, you better be able to really be compelling as, you know, it gets more, more and more difficult to set meetings. I know. And it's amazing. I was just with a group yesterday. And it's when you start talking about this with SDRs, it's kind of deer in the headlights, man. They're just like, huh? You know, and yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's that hard to figure out. Like, Instead of talking about yourself, you're talking about them and their problems. And like, that's how you build your brand, like around their problems. But I, I think a missing link there is a lot of SDRs take a job at a company and they're just like, I don't care what, you know, what they sell. I just want to get in there and like play ping pong and like, you know, do foosball and stuff like that. It's like a cool company. And then it's like, you get into it and, and they're just like, I don't, I don't really care about the buyer necessarily. I mean... I'm just trying to make cool. my rent and like make. I hear you, dude. You know what Great. I mean? Great. And in three years, like you're not going to have a job. Like, right. I mean, like the way to think about where sales is headed, David, is the machine, it can, there, an AI can outwork any human. They never stop learning. They never start growing. They never stop getting better. Okay. Yes. And if your one skill as an SDR is hitting the volume button, you are replaceable. And, I think you don't have, you're not going to have a choice, whether it's in, whether you're a salesperson or whether you're an SDR, you're not going to have a choice. And the other thing that I'll, I'll talk about too, is I put this on sales leaders. To me, this is, this is more sales leaderships, not wanting to change. It's terrifying to change, David. If I go to a sales leader, I'm like, look, we're going to stop tracking calls and di- calls and emails. And instead we're going to move to meaningful conversations and connections. That literally oh, God. is terrifying wait, we're going to focus on outcomes versus more. But Aaron Ross told me in predictable revenue in 2009 that if I just do more activities, like cool, LinkedIn, we didn't use, like LinkedIn wasn't used this way then. Social wasn't a thing then. Like we just have too many other activities we're asking them to do that are influence-based to where traditional activity metrics are really what, what are holding people back for a lot of this. And it's the companies that are more forward thinking that are thinking about that first level of outcomes that I think are the companies that where it's easier for the SDRs to adapt because they feel the freedom to David. If you're sitting there and you're my boss and you're riding me because I didn't make my hundred dials today or 50. And look, if you're in a transactional business, like I totally get it. And that actually probably is exactly what you should be doing. But if you're in an enterprise space, upper mid market, and you believe in LinkedIn as a tool, how do you account for that in your activity metrics? I don't know. Results. Oh, yeah. Outcomes. Exactly. 
Right. And I, I think I think that's that's the part, Dave. Like that's the part is I think SDRs don't believe the metrics their boss give them in f- at least fifty percent of organizations. Yeah. They th- they know intuitively like, dude, what? No, like this is silly. At CareerBuilder, for example, every day, and we ran a full desk every day. We had to make a hundred cold calls and have two and a half hours of talk time every day. And that meant setting your own meetings, et cetera. Do you think reps cheated the system? <laughs> I would literally, I'd have to find, I'd have to find, literally there was a rep. I caught him. I won't call his name out. We're still friends. Um, he would give new hires like the cheat phone dial list. And guess what? If you have a team of a hundred, it's happening at your company. Yeah. They're calling fax machines and sitting on it. Like, this is just how it is. And we haven't adapted the metrics from before. We're continuing to use those in a completely different world where sales technology didn't exist. Buyer behavior was completely different. Information asymmetry was at an all-time high. Whereas now we have transparency, we have technology, and we have all these other things. And I think it, I put a lot of this on sales leadership and marketing leadership that we've got to think about the outcomes that we measure and we've got to align those with the activities that we're actually asking SDRs to do. So I think that's that's what I think is, is, is so critical here. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Which is which, which is easier said than done because hundred percent with man. the with the technology that's out there right now. A guy. So yesterday we were looking at the market market map that we made with all the different brands on it, and uh, one of the SDRs was like, "Which which of these quadrants still has room for new players to come in?" Right, and I was like, you know, what nobody has actually figured out is a whole quadrant just for account based sales development. You know, we have like the account-based marketing tools that are coming out, but there's no real sales development person who has created a solution for what you're talking about, which is like, look, I need to identify the accounts that we need to go after. I need to know how many people we have in the system. And then I need to know how many meaningful activities that we're having as far as like conversations and then how much pipeline is coming out. There's nothing like that. So if you try to do what you're talking about right now with like Salesforce and the sales enablement platforms and like plug in some data, it's a freaking mess, dude. But I guess that's what keeps scaled, you know, busy, right? Because <laughs> you guys got to go in and figure it I out. I mean, we're, <laughs> but I think the other thing, David, like, look, yeah. we're at step zero of this, you know, we're at step one. I mean, I, I really think we're at the very, very, very beginning. And, and, and let me tell you why I wow. say that. I think, I think sales and marketing in most organizations, I don't give a shit what people say on stage. They live in completely different worlds yes. and in technology can only enable, enable a process. And so it doesn't really matter what technologies exist. If the process internally or the change management hasn't occurred internally. And I think, yes, to your example, like, yes, that's exactly the problems that we work on at scale. But, and I can just tell you, because we see this, if your sales and marketing team, if you're not breaking or changing the way that you think your marketing team thinks about their role and the sales team thinks about marketing roles on the flip side, it's never going to change. If we're still marketing's number one goal is an MQL and sale and SDR's number one goal is a qualified meeting. I'm actually better. Okay. With a qualified meeting, assuming, assuming that we're the upper funnel metrics are like realistic. But, but the point is that very few teams have, you know, pursuit marketing teams, very few teams, marketing teams have half of their sale, half of their marketing team that lives in sales that that's trying to help them target accounts directly. 
until we just say, hey, this is how you're going to build your marketing and sales organization, it's never going to change. So right. you can have the best tools that exist, but until sales and marketers just accept that, look, I know in a previous world that stuff worked. Like this is, you know, 2018 going into 2019 and it'll be 2020 before we know it. Like buyer behavior has changed. Email as a channel is getting pummeled. Your reps are allergic to picking up the phone. Therefore, what are we supposed to do about it? Okay, so let me ask you this. So say you had a blank slate. You had, there was money, there was budget, there was really bright people, you know, there was product market fit, and you had a blank slate to create like a revenue machine. You did, don't even say like marketing, sales, sales development, like nothing. Like where do you, where would you start with like a blank piece of paper and build it back? I mean, <laughs> I know that's a big question, but no, yeah. I, I, look, I'm going to give the cliche answer because it's the okay. one I don't think we pay it. We, we, we say it as a cliche, but I don't think enough companies live it. It starts with the buyer journey. And at the end okay. of the day, the machine of whatever it is, your revenue machine, and I'm going to include retention and acquisition, all of that. Your job is to do a few things. Get buyers' attentions. Get them, the ones who are the right people, interested in something. Get them to interact with your team. Qualify or disqualify them into some type of sales motion. Convert them to a customer or nurture them. Work with them over a period of time and grow that account relationship and retain them. At the end of the day, that is it. There is nothing else. It really is that. Now, marketing is, should be integrated throughout the journey. How can I help to nurture people to bring them back in the funnel? What are the materials that sales teams need to, to better grow an account once they have that initial meeting? So the layers of marketing are bled and the, and the sales or roles are bled into that holistic buyer journey. Got Everything and, and sales or marketing is going to own more or less of parts of that. But at the end of the day, they're all integrated. So, so should there still be, you know, these silos that, I mean, it seems like, you know, the departments were made in a bygone era of, you know, like a long time ago, you had to have everything in the silo. But now if you're saying like, we need to flip the whole thing and make it about the buyer journey, and then we plug in the people within our organization based on the buyer journey, do we even need to have all these departments and stuff like that? Or is it, do we need something completely new? I think it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think what, what it means to be in marketing is just getting bigger, right? I, I, I feel like what it means to be in sales is getting smaller. What it means to be an account, I feel like marketing and account management and growth are expanding. And what we would, what we would have called sales 15 years ago has dramatically shrunk. And I, and I think in the future, what sales is, is really going to be project management, like in a very strategic, you know, sales type of way, like there still will be salesmanship and, and things that need to go into it. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't know if the answer is to like eliminate groups. I, I think what it is, is it's more about Understanding that our goal is to provide the right experience to convert customers, to delight and convert, right? Okay. I think that it's, I don't know if that's marketing. I would say more and more of that, what I see is that's becoming more and more marketing's job. Yeah. And whether you call it marketing or sales or whatever it is. So to me, it's who's responsible for the, you know, kind of driving general awareness, who's responsible for then driving intent from that awareness, who's then responsible for driving conversions. I feel like it all kind of lives in the same, you know, funnel. And because now we have so many tools that can better model who's the right fit and can then put people down the right nurture stream. 
you know, think about what Drift's doing, right, with their playbooks. You know, yeah. more and more and more, I think marketing and well, I'll just traditionally call it marketing because that's the role is just becoming a more important part of the sales organization. And I think the sales organization needs to welcome them in. And I think sales leadership needs to embrace this, that, that this is just what's happening, guys. What yeah. if the sales org is not going to be the same size it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago, that we have so much data about buyers. We know so much about them. We're going to, they're going to come to the table so much more informed that you're just not going to need as many sales people because they're going to be somewhere in that intent funnel already. Whereas before in B2B, it was sales job. We had to educate and da, 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 da. And we still, there's, there's elements of that. So I think it's more about how do these groups all play together versus do we need to get rid of them? Because I think the answer is like not necessarily get rid of them, but maybe change the responsibilities where sales acts a little bit more in partnership with marketing and marketing maybe owns a little bit more than they, they have historically. This is so interesting because I think most companies, they still start with like, how are we going to set up our organization to go to market? 100%. You know? And they don't necessarily start with delight of the customer in mind. They just build it up like, hey, this is how everybody else does it. Right. So yeah. let's do it that way. So let me ask you, I, this is it's 100% really predicated, David, yeah. on VCs. The VCs yes. have the yeah. exact same playbook yeah. for the last 15 years. And it's, yeah. you do this and then you hire this role and then we do this conversion and then there's MQLs and then there's SQLs, da, 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 And then we fire the VP of sales after 16 months. And then we fire the next VP of sales after 16. It's dude, it's rinse and repeat. Yeah. And what's happening is now, dude, we're just seeing it more and more. Organizations are having difficulty making the numbers work. They're not working the same way they, they used to at the top of the funnel. And, yeah. and it's really a symptomatic problem that, you know, most VCs are perpetuating because, man, I got to tell you, it helps you sleep at night as a VC if it's just as simple as math. Sure. Of course. You know, the buyer journey is just getting way more complex. It just didn't used to be this complex. Yeah, we better wake up and get our act together because it's been a pretty good economy now for a long time. And, you know, we've both been through cycles where it goes down and it becomes harder. And if you don't get your shit together right now and start to learn this kind of stuff, then you got to watch it. Let me ask you, I, you know, you said that the ebook and the long form stuff and the more, you know, like, corporate stuff that you were doing in the past was just not converting well. But how do you how do you impart this kind of complex knowledge on to people without putting it into some kind of ebook or something like that? I mean, can you take these little nuggets of information and like spread them out over a short post? Is that where is that basically the direction that we're going? in? Yeah. And, and I don't want to I mean, look, I, I, I think ebooks and blogs and webinars, I think they all still for sure have a place. You know, I, I just you know, the webinar to me is one of the more interesting ones. I'm going to come back to your question, but I'm going to talk about webinars. Yeah. If three people want to talk about a topic, then get on Instagram live or Facebook live and just talk about it. Like, it's so silly. It's like e webinar in two weeks. It's like, <laughs> David, like, let's just do it on Facebook Live. I literally have said I'm not doing any more web. I'm never going to do a webinar ever again. <laughs> right now, I will say it now. I will only do YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram Live. There is zero point. Zero. 
Okay. Because what is, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I understand it's Legion because I attended your stupid webinar does not mean that I'm interested in your product because I downloaded your ebook does not mean that I'm ready to buy. The problem is we treat these as lead gen and not, we're not actually David, what I feel like the problem is we're not using webinars, ebooks and blogs to delight and educate. We're using them for lead gen and buyers see it from a mile away now. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and that's, and that's the problem is you used to produce this content because you'd put it out there and you'd get good, like social, we did webinars because like we just did webinars and then, you know what I mean? We're like, Hey, like, let's talk about a topic, but that's not how companies are using them anymore. And what happens now is the more friction that you provide, you know, in the process the, the, we're just not used to friction in the process anymore. You know, how easy is easy is it to click an Instagram ad and buy something? I mean, it's like two clicks. And we're just moving to society where the more barriers you put up in front of people. And again, I know for a lot of people, webinars are still a great tool. And I, I, again, I, this is more of where I think the industry is headed and I totally get where people are at and I totally understand why we still do it. But I think we're grossly underestimating the power of social and the ability to act in real time. And most marketing teams are still running the same HubSpot marketing pillars play from 10 years ago. I pick an ebook. I chop it up into blog posts, I top it up into tweets, I chop it up into shares. And now, man, you're sharing stuff that was two months old and you just missed all this news that happened in real time. Right. So, so you're okay. So as opposed to the old school method, you're saying, you know, jump on, it's not even scheduled. It's just like you're, you jump onto one of these instant platforms, start talking about something that's relevant and new right now and, you know, giving value to the community and, and then, it's not even scheduled, right? I mean, it's just something that's there for them if they're around. Yeah, I mean, the key is to think whenever there was less content, this is actually, this is what it really comes down to. When there was less content, you could create a buildup. You're like, oh man, people are talking Free about- webinar. X, X, Y, Z topic. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you didn't get that. How many webinars do you get hit up for every day now? You know, now, and don't get me wrong. Again, I love, I think there's a lot of place for them. They're great, etc. Right. But my point is this, until things become saturated, they are amazing. When they become saturated, they lose some of their effectiveness. I just told you the stat for blog posts. I don't know what the numbers are for eBooks. You can probably extrapolate. I don't know what the numbers are for webinars. You can probably extrapolate as they become saturated. They lose their effectiveness. If you look at what people are interacting with, Right. Social media is free. It's free. Like you can just go post on it. But the key is you've got to stop treating B2B companies have to stop treating social media as a company mouthpiece to push propaganda. And they've got to start to prop up their people. They've got to start to have an opinion because that's the game we're in now. And I can I can already hear people complaining. But Jake, my company, I'm like, dude, that's great. That's just not the world we live in today. Like people want to hear from David Delaney, you know, they want to know your opinion and your whatever it is. And if you're not, if you don't want to be a public, like that's cool too. Like there's a lot of other things that you can do. But I think my, my big point here is those other tools are still fine, but I'm, we, we are dramatically over indexing. I mean, look, we're a company of 25. I have a full-time social media manager, a full-time video editor and graphic design person, a basically full-time kind of social media listening person. We've got another marketing ops person and we're hiring a head of marketing. Because I am, this is it. You have that, to. The land grab for LinkedIn, everyone, is happening right now, right in front of you. And you can either choose to be an SDR who, who participates in the land grab, 
or look back three years later and be like, oh yeah, I should have done that. Like the LinkedIn land grab, LinkedIn is just now becoming a new site. And like now, there is there is no more important time in history than right now for anybody in B2B to be latching on to LinkedIn. I love this. And let me ask you, do you, you might not even know this, but do you have a good source for getting information about social media metrics and data and, and these things? How do you stay on top of what the latest trends are? Because, you know, it could be it was webinars for a while and then now it's it's this and next week it's going to be something else. Are there like some sources that you have uh, to, that people could recommend? You know, D- David, honestly, for me, I spend most of my time looking at B2C trends. Okay. I'm just looking at what are the trends in B2C that I think are super, super applicable to B2B because B2C is always at the forefront, you know, because they're, you know, they're, they're trying to grab, you know, billions of people's attention. So, and it's data. You know, I, again, I think I'm just a realist, meaning like I have there, you know, and my comp, everyone who, who works here and who knows me, like I have zero sacred cows, meaning I just go where the data says. And if for some reason yeah. you're putting out good content, webinars are converting less. It's not that you should stop doing them. It's that you're going to need to augment that. Yes. You know, you're, you're, you're seeing these people that you'd never even heard of a year ago now getting you know, and why likes on LinkedIn isn't just a vanity metric is it puts it in other people's feeds. So you're getting tens of thousands of views and like you're just seeing what's working. And because it's still so, so early. And I think that that's what stops a lot of people is they feel like, oh, well, you know, it's 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 like, no, man, we're in the we're in the beginning of all of this. Like even even sales tech. I mean, David, if you if you look at we're in probably what, like year three of the or maybe year four of the sales tech landscape. Yes. Go look at what MarTech looked like at year four in like 2011 compared to what it looks like today. Guess what? That's what's going to happen in sales. That's insane. That's insane. It's going to work. You know who's doing a really good job with this is you mentioned that before, Drift. You know, they give everybody, everybody in the company has a camera and they're walking around, you know, doing cool stuff. And you just feel like you're in the mix, you know, with the people there. And it's not even like a brand. It's like a reality show almost. But so it's interesting. That's it. That's the play. I mean, I mean, that's a beautiful part, David. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. The reason I'm recording it here, we've already went live on Instagram. The reason we're doing that, it's just the play. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like when you ask, it's like all we're doing. And if you see Drift is doing it and being successful, like maybe you should just do it too. But but I think what, what's stopping a lot of companies, David, and I'll, I'll kind of like, I know we're, we're going to wrap up here in a sec, but it's marketing has to be okay with this. We've got to okay. understand your people are your brand now. So uh, this is more internal comms, you know, or in, well, it's, it's external comms too. So now marketing is not arming them with more and more company propaganda. It's how do I help to, to educate them? Like we, so we just launched a product, which is basically LinkedIn strategy for sales orgs, which is how do I get every single person in my sales org to be able to act like a mouthpiece? And, you know, I think that that's a scary, scary, scary proposition. Guess what? Like salespeople have already been sharing on LinkedIn that you didn't know about at marketing, but the thought that we're going to enable them to have an opinion is terrifying, but I don't think that there's a choice. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have a choice. I think you, so therefore the, the only option is to embrace it. Okay. And let me ask you, I got one one more question. So you scroll through LinkedIn and there's all these videos of people like, what should people do to get somebody to click on the video? Because it's just usually just like a person's face. 
you know, and they're like in the middle of a sentence and you're like, what, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Um, and I, I just, I just end up scrolling through them. I never scroll through yours, but I was like, course, do, 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 do. And what do you think would stop me and go, okay, I want to click on that. Does it have to be something that I'm really interested in? But these faces, like it's all these faces, man. What do we do? <laughs> well, one, I want to call out, I want to call out that yeah. you dropped the F bomb before I did. <laughs> Sorry. Which I don't think there was in, there was zero chance that that was going to happen 40 minutes ago. Okay. Um, so that's great. I love it. Mm. Look, I the answer is I don't know. And let me yeah. tell you why I don't know. It's the fine. answer I know is like, man, I'll have one post that does 450 likes that's on a random Sunday and then another one that does 760, you know, the key is consistency. And so although certain people might not you might not click on it. Johnny SDR might really like that person, you know? And I I think that that's the beauty of this, that it's, you can't try, social is not about perfection. And that's the other point. Marketing is so used to this schedule and this produced content. That's not how you're going to win this game. That's why Drift is doing such a good job. They've opened the, the governor a little bit and are letting people just kind of put some stuff out there. And there's other companies that are doing doing some of this stuff, but I, I really don't think anyone's doing it, even Drift, like as as much as they could be. I don't it, – it's a mix of content, right? But if yeah. you want to be the video guy, like Keenan, right? Keenan is like – dude, the guy is great at video. It's his shtick. He loves it. It's authentic. It's really him. It's not even a shtick. Whereas other people – and, you know, Brian Burns, right? He's walking with his AirPods, right? Like, <laughs> totally. I like that one uh, too. Uh, you know, you know, so it's like that they've built that. But see, you and I both, we can talk about those two guys and immediately we interact with it. You know, for us, video is just a tool in the toolbox. Like we mix in a lot of text posts. We do one video every week. It's our weekly recap every Friday. Yeah, I like that. That's um, really good. And that's produced. Right. And we've you know, we invest again. We've got a video editor who we do production, you know, who does production. But, dude, I'm just like, you know, it's a Monday. I just finished Soul Cycle. I'm like oh yeah, this is a good idea. Like I'm just going to just make a video and then I just post it. Right. You know, like I don't, and, and my social media manager, mess. Emily, she's, she's here too. She's kind of cured me of this too, of like my mouth's wide open or whatever. I used to be like, no, it's not good enough. But then you go and look at the other videos on Instagram of, you know, Tony Robbins and these other people and like, they're all mouths are open too. So I'm like, okay, then I can have my mouth open. That's you know, like, so I, I really feel like it's a, it's about a mix of content I think very few people should be doing video only because text posts actually perform really, really well on LinkedIn, which candidly is like because text posts today and LinkedIn will change their algorithm, I'm sure, like perform so well. There's just no reason not to be doing it. You know, like it's a text post, you know, and I was I was you know, we did a big LinkedIn uh, kind of free workshop for 20 something people. And I was on with a woman today and, you know, we were just talking about like. You can make 15 minutes in the morning and just like, what did you do yesterday? I'm like, well, yesterday I talked to these five companies. Oh, cool. I'll make a post about that. Because guess what? Two weeks from now, nobody's going to remember what you posted on Wednesday from two weeks ago. And so I think people overthink it. They overanalyze it. So the the answer to your question is, if it's you, go all in. If not, my suggestion is mix it up and be consistent. Okay. And then when is too much? Because I'm thinking there's this one guy who I'm friends with, actually, and he's a really good guy. And but I mean, dude, every time I frickin I said frickin this time, every time I open it up, he's on there at the top of the feed. And I'm like, this is too much, man. 
Is it is can you post too much or should you post too much because frick it, you know, it's free. I love how you censored yourself now. <laughs> um, you can say fuck it, it's your podcast. Um, so you I look, me. dude, the, David, what I would what say is think? let the audience tell you, man. Okay. If every post you put out gets decent interaction, then then who cares what David Delaney thinks or what Jake Dunlap thinks? Right. You know, like yeah. I, I am. 100%. I know this guy doesn't give a shit what I think. <laughs> well, I, I just my, my point is like, yeah. look, I'm, I'm market. My strategy is 100 percent market driven. Everything yeah. that we're doing, if, if I thought none of this mattered, like or if, if the market said all of a sudden that ebooks were that, you know, we would still do some things in social. But then I'd go hire three people in content. We just pump out ebooks all day. Like it really gotcha. is about okay. where attention is. And I think you just marketers are just, just have to be more nimble. And I think B2B marketers just need to look at what's happening in B2C more. And, yeah. and, and, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity there. I think that's, that's the main takeaway. Jake, dude, this has been amazing. I, I learned a ton. I got a bunch of notes. Love it, to transcribe it. What's next for you? You got your, your new LinkedIn program. Is anything else yep. coming up that you're excited uh, about? Yeah. I, yeah, there's really two things. I think it's the LinkedIn strategy, which is I firmly That's believe amazing. that over the next year and a half, two years, every single th- – just like we talked about SDR, SDR salesperson is going to need to rewrite their profile to be buyer-centric. And you know, we're already starting to do this for a handful of companies, and I'm, and I'm excited about it because, man, it's a, it's a relatively low investment from a time standpoint that can literally – you know, drive some pretty amazing results in the amount of responses that people get because it, and, and to me, candidly, it's like a win-win. It's like, you also are like putting a better foot forward to your buyers. It's like, there's nothing, it's like such a positive thing to do that. I just, I really believe in it. And I really think like, why wouldn't you have a LinkedIn profile that when your buyers come, they're like interested in you. So that's one really big thing. The other big thing is creative services. So we're kind of changing the way that we think about content and taking a more kind of marketing and agency approach where I think sales for a long time, you know, we go straight to writing emails and we forget about the buyer journey. We forget about these things. And so, you know, we're in the process right now of kind of changing the way we think about content production to more of an agency model, which is let's understand who your buyer is, where do they live? And then let's build a strategy based on that as opposed to like call email, call email. You know, if you sell to this audience and they live at events, how do we develop an event strategy that's coupled with an online strategy? And so I think we're, we're trying to bring, again, some of these trends from B to C. And I think that, you know, whether you're a marketing organization that's trying to understand how do you better partner with your sales org and, or a sales org that needs kind of more marketing help, that's really kind of the, a big hole that we want to fill on top of the, t- the tech stuff that we're doing. So I think those are two of the things I'm most excited about that, that we're launching or have already launched or launching in 2019 for sure, man. Oh, man, I cannot wait to see it. I, I mean, that, you know, observation of the B2C world and how it influences us is huge. So thank you so much, Jake. Thank for you, all man. The takeaways. I am eternally grateful. We're going to follow you on LinkedIn and we'll get you back on the show soon. Love it, man. Thanks again, David. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.